Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the third week of Infinite Frontier comics. The comics released on the sixteenth of March, twenty twenty one. Only three comics this week. The the Flash was supposed to be in here, but it was delayed two weeks, and so. Um, this is the lightest show we've probably ever done in terms of comics covered, but I'm I'm very cool with it. I know you guys are as well. So uh, any thoughts before we dive right in? No. No? All Let's right. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Catwoman, number 20, 29, uh, written by Rom V, illustrated by – I got to check my notes because I forget – Fernando Blanco. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us off on this one? Um, I think this was my favorite book this week. Wow. Okay. Um, I just really, really liked this a lot. I thought the art was really good. This is like, um, we've kind of talked about the thing about, um, that James Tynion said about the X books being sort of the, um, kind of uh kind of like a comparison point for the like the current batman <laughs> line and i feel like this has been the one that um kind of bears that out the most um like you you see so many different things you see like poison ivy makes an appearance i'm insane makes an appearance um there's references to other things that are going on the riddler is in this it's just a lot yeah, it, it feels very much like a. It, it feels very much like a. a uh, I I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I guess it doesn't feel like a book. The Catwoman book has felt for the last year or so like a book very much on the periphery of the bat line. This sort of makes it feel like it's right in the middle of the bat line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, yeah. Go yeah. Yeah. Yet again, it feels like, like that that golden modern age of of the bad books that I always talk about. Um, I, I people are probably going to be sick of me making this point, but it really does feel like that, you know. Like um, Gotham City Sirens felt like a bigger book than it should have because it tied into this whole Bat family thing, um, and and involved characters that you know wouldn't always otherwise play with that with that group of Gotham characters necessarily or or had other things going on at the same time and it kind of tied in and and that's what this is too and 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 I love that it 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 makes it feel like it's a part of something it makes it feel not that not that books can't tell their own stories and and you know not that everything has to tie into everything else but when you've got a writer of Ram Ram V's quality, and you have a status quo uh, with Batman that's really humming, I, I feel like a strength of corporate comics like this is to tie into that stuff, you know. Now, when there's a bad when there's a bad run going on, like you know some recent previous Bat Batman runs that we've had, maybe you don't want things tying into it so they don't get the stink on it, you know. But like. I'm really enjoying what's happening in Batman right now. And so I kind of want everything to tie a little more tightly. Um, and, and I dig that quite a bit and I can't say enough about the art. Like we, we've always been 
Fernando Blanco fans on this show, right? Yeah. But this, it feels like every time I see Blanco's art, it's better and better and better. And this is maybe, maybe the best thing I've seen Blanco do. If not, it's damn close, you know, and I can't think of what would have been better than this. I just think there's such a, um, such an assured style and, uh, lots of little, lots of little, uh, tricks here and there that, that kind of sell the action and sell the motion and the new costume, like the new villain. We don't know much about them yet. Um, can't even remember the name, the, the white, the white witch W I W I G H T. Mm-hmm just a really cool costume design too that I feel like pops off the page and, and is really well executed. You could easily do that, that costume and make it look, um, phoned in or something, but it doesn't, it looks, it looks great. It's this weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's this weird, like hexagonal pattern. Uh, it's almost like beehive esque. It looks like honeycomb. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 But like, but like digital, but not. But then, like, that makes it sound like it's like ugly and digitally like rendered or something, and it's not. It's it just really works really well. It's really striking, you know. And I feel like, short of saying ten out of ten, the costume was great. Um, that's a great costume. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to get my one goof out of the way here. I meant to say this last week, and I forgot to, or two weeks ago rather. Does anybody else keep wanting to call Simon Saint Saint Simon because of the Shin song? Yes. Yep. Okay. Not just me. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Um, yep. So my my theory, I have no backing for here. I don't know why the character would be doing this, but I think White Witch might be Julia Pennyworth. Mm. She kind of mm-hmm. looks uh, similar to her, and White, like the Isle of White, the British, uh, you know, uh, island. I don't know if, if that's supposed to be a reference to her heritage, but I could totally see Julia Pennyworth, who we haven't seen in a while, showing up here. Um, and that's sort of my biggest takeaway from this book uh, is that we talked last week about how the Joker book is like a closet Jim Gordon book and how the punchline backup is like a closet Bluebird book. This kind of feels like a uh, a sneaky Gotham Underworld book. Because we get we spend almost much as much time with other characters as we do with Selena here, and maybe this is just like the street level Gotham book, and it's being it, you know Selena will be sort of the major player there. But like you said before, Zach, we get we get uh, Poison Ivy, we get the Riddler, you know, we get sort of a whole cast of DC's uh, rather Gotham's like street level villains here, and I wonder if this book is going to take on more of that kind of a tone as it goes on. I'm not mad about that. I think that's actually a very cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I I just really I feel like on all, you know, fronts this book is really great. The art and the coloring are fantastic. I I feel like the dialogue is really snappy um uh and, and, but not like too too verbose or anything. Um, I feel like Rom V like really has a good voice for Selena. Um, the action is really, really well done, I think. Um, and like the framing uh, of like 
all of the you know the like fight sequences and the action sequences are really well done um i think like my favorite page in this issue is in the like the fight sequence between um selena selena and the white witch and it's like the double page spread and white witch is kind of like teleporting around and like cuts selena on like each of her cheeks and like the reaction like her her reactions in those panels just look really good i think mm-hmm. um and like the digital effects in that are really cool it's like not too too much um i feel like this show is the goldilocks of digital effects we like yeah just, we like just a little bit of it but not too yeah. much yeah yeah we we do i don't know we really liked the digital effects in that uh future state yeah harlequin i think um but yeah i just I just was like, I, I kind of went into this week expecting this to be the issue I liked the least. And maybe that's just because I had been sleeping on Romby's run to this point. Um, I kind of want to go back and read the the previous stuff that he's written now. Um, because there are like some characters and some threads that, that uh, predate Infinite Frontier. So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed. Do we know who the the guy in the hat firing at Selena and uh, Nigma is? Yes, that was a character that was introduced in Romby's er, an earlier part of Romby's run on this, okay. and I, I will not be able to tell you the name, but there's like a two or three issue arc with that character as the villain. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna have to go read it then. Um... Because this is also this is one of the things I feel like this is um, like a DC three tick um, is like Bible verses and comics, <laughs> and you, usually I hate them, but like this guy I was like, oh, this guy's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all he does. Like that's his, in his previous appearance too. Like that's oh, well thing. then may, maybe I wouldn't like him then if he does it every time. But I was yeah. like, oh, this this is kind of badass. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting how. And we talked, we've talked about this in the past, how, you know, consistently the bat books are the books that are least touched when everything gets reset. But I find it really interesting that of all the bat books that were out there before, really only Tynion's flagship book and this one are the ones that didn't get reset in some way. And I think that's a real testament to Rom V's writing. And it wasn't that long ago that, that, the name Rom V wasn't like as associated with success. Not not that not that Rom was not a celebrated writer, but now it feels like he's really leveled up over the last year or two. I'd say even just the last year. He's he's now a guy who DC can say, you know what, you're doing a good enough job on two titles. We're gonna keep you on those titles when almost everything else is getting reset. That's pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think they yeah. see. I think they see somebody they want to keep in the fold, you know. Um, I will say, like his creator-owned stuff and kind of like little independent stuff was extreme. Has it's been extremely good all along, you know? But I, but I do think, I do think he's grown <clears throat> with his DC work as well, you know. Like I think, I think his recent output is 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 better than the earlier stuff, which I thought was, which I thought was pretty good too, but like not like, I think he's really dialing in how to do this corporate comics thing. And, and yeah, it's nice. Yeah, to see. It, he, 
he's also like kind of he's part of that collective of like comic writers who i feel like are pretty up and coming and well regarded um i i, I can't remember who all is involved in that but it's like him and um alex um i think it's pac okay yeah pac and um few other names that I, I can't remember off the top of my head and and that's always like really exciting when you kind of have that like sort of you know young guns up and coming it's like the new image kind of thing you know everybody's chase everybody wants to be the new image <laughs> mm-hmm. all right so rom v is clearly the rob liefeld i i, I, have, I have no idea who he is there i just want to toss it out there um any other catwoman thoughts I just think it's really interesting that they're teasing the poison ivy thread in this book so soon because it seems like that's going to be a big plot point later on. I I feel like this makes me think we're going to get a big crossover within the next year or so that's like poison ivy centric. In fact, I think that could even be like the first crossover. I could see that. I wonder how Uh, crossovers are going to work uh within these books because like for instance you know how long did it take before the x books crossed over about a year yeah so i wonder when we're going to see our first uh our first crossover here not not that they're going to follow that beat by beat but i just think you know when the books are so interconnected you don't need to cross over until you really need to cross over you know right yeah yeah i i could see it though because i mean it would obviously like Tinian's been planning threads now we've seen stuff in catwoman it would be relevant for the harley quinn book um yeah i I, i'm i'm putting my money on it all right i like that bold prediction all right up next we have justice league number 59 this uh, this is a, a sort of a two different stories within here. We'll talk about the Justice League part first, written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by David Marquez, and um, we get we get a very very young handsome uh, Black Adam rooting the story, and the the main note that I have here, and I kind of want to discuss this with you guys, is I, I said that uh, it's fun but it's also Bendis to the max. <laughs> would you guys agree with that assessment? Um, I would, I would only say not to the max because there aren't just like strings of word balloons, except for on the first page. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, your, your point is, I take your point, Brian, because I, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking about this too. Like, it is probably maximum Bendis before I stop liking the book that yes. Bendis is currently writing. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like so. Uh, Zach stated that 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 open page or that that opening page with just the the quote tree on it and just the the image of the different Justice League symbols. Like, I opened that up and I was like, "Oh shit, here we go again." You know, like. <laughs> like he knows what he's doing right he's like purposely pissing people off at this point right but then the rest of the comic wasn't really like that but then there was there was some like jokey back and forth dialogue that was pretty signature bendis but it i i don't feel like it was overdone 
And then at the same time, like, if you think about the issue, not a hell of a lot really happened. And a lot of it was just like preamble, kind of setting up thematic stuff through these characters bannering, you know, kind of like, you know, Ollie comes in and he's like, I don't think we're doing enough, you know, and that's like the classic the Avengers go through that, the Justice League goes through that. It's always a cycle, right? Like it's always a cycle of these teams getting small and then realizing they need to do more or get bigger or whatever. And that's just the cycle these books go through, right? Mm -hmm. And this whole issue is that preamble. But you also get you get the action sequence where this like demon appears on Earth and starts fighting uh Black Adam. And that is very DC Bendis too, because like his thing now apparently is just inventing a new villain, <laughs> dropping him, dropping him on Earth or wherever, and then having the villain be like, "What am I doing here? I'm I'm gonna crash this party or whatever." Like he did that with Rogelzar. He did that with that other Superman character. That's basically what the um, what. Uh, uh, Krav the General Nah from Legion of Superheroes. It, like, it's Bendis repeating that thing again. <laughs> and so, like, I guess what I'm saying is I enjoyed this first issue well enough, but it's, like, already dangerously close to Bendis being on his shit. Um, and I know that in, like, a few months we're going to be talking about how we're ready for him to do the next thing. <laughs> yeah. So I hope that's I hope that's not the case, but... No, I, I don't think you're wrong. There's a couple of things I, I did really enjoy about this. I, I liked the idea of Superman and Green Arrow having, like, very similar ideas about what the Justice League should be. I thought that was handled really well, and I, we've never really seen that before. I thought that was, that was an interesting pairing of those characters. I liked the way that the demon character and Naomi were brought in together. I even liked the way that Black Adam was sort of you know, introduced to the Justice League here. I think that the sort of the overall concept on the page are all pretty good here. I also even enjoyed the sort of the, the argument of like, should the Justice League be this tight-knit group that trusts each other or should there be some, some, uh, some you know, voices in there that don't always agree? I thought all of that was pretty good. The thing that bugged me the most was I feel like, the demon was basically Poochie from The Simpsons, just like using <laughs> using a lot of like cool hip phrases and trying to be funny. And it felt like that's just there's no reason that didn't add anything to that character. I don't think mm -hmm. that character is any more interesting because he was kind of irreverent in any way. I, I don't I don't know why you feel like that's necessary to put there to me that just reeked of Bendis doing Bendis and didn't have any sort of reason for it like again I'm fine with the Justice League you know uh, stereotypically from Bendis like having breakfast and discussing things if it's stuff that has that adds to the characters and adds to the book this just felt like it was him being cute for no reason mm -hmm. Zach what did you think of this um <clears throat> it was fine like the art was really good um the the villain felt like Rogel's are redux <laughs> like his like from from his like design 
really my guess just like his design um but uh, the dialogue i thought was like kind of kind of wacky too you know like not not super appealing to me um i i am like really interested in this in this cast and like where this book could go um but i didn't think this issue was uh, like particularly strong start um i i thought it was just okay yeah it's um it's wild that you, i mean i guess it's 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 Justice League number fifty nine, right? It's not Justice League number one, mm-hmm. but you'd still you'd still think that you would want to make this feel like a Justice League number one, you know, and and it really doesn't. Yeah, I I wonder why <laughs> I wonder why certain books in this line didn't get renumbered. I understand why you don't renumber Batman. I understand why you don't renumber action and tech, but is there any delusion that this is the same Justice League book that wrapped up before Death Metal? Like it just—it just seems like it's such a totally different title. I don't know mm-hmm. why you would do that. And I even kind of feel the way about the next book we're going to talk about too. But I feel like—I feel like it's more apparent here. I don't know why. It just seems very strange to me. Um, any other notes on the first half of this book? Mm, no, I don't think so. No. Yeah, not really. I want to like this. I, I think, do. I do too. Yeah. Definitely. I think. I think that the the team, both the creative team and the team of characters in the book are going to be enough to carry it a certain amount. But unless uh, unless the issues get a little bit more interesting, I don't know how long this run is going to feel novel, like you were saying, Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so we'll see. Um, that brings us to Justice League Dark, uh, which is the second half of this book. This is, again, written by Rom V. It's, it's the Rom V week. And illustrated by Zermonico. Now, here is uh, here's uh, Vince sent us something in Lad's chat, uh, <laughs> saying that this this issue had the most perfect nut face in the history of our podcast. And well, I don't know if that's quite true. That there are some there are some just true true winners in in our history. But this is a this is a pretty great nut face. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's it's in the it's obviously in the Justice League Dark section. I'm trying to find like a good key to it. Um, so it's the page where at the top of the page you see a pickup truck with Zatanna and Constantine in it. Uh, you see there, it's 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 pretty magnificent. Yeah, so, it's 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 remarkably spot on. Yes, um, just proof that Zermonico is a loyal listener to the DC Three Cast. Um, I'm trying to figure out who that looks like. Like who do, who who does it look like is nutting? Donald. Fagan? I feel like. <laughs> I was yeah I was gonna say like Kenny Rogers or like. 
Yeah, Donald Fagan. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It kind of looks like Zeus too, like just a like a generic, uh, or, or like the painting of an apostle, or something. Like yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah, maybe uh, Tevia from the Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> if I made a nut face. <laughs> uh, see, when we only have three books to work with, we have to go deep into our bullshit. This is what happens, so. <laughs> yeah, how are we doing on time, by the way? Do you need me to stall more? Do you uh, need me to sing more? You mean to sing more bars from Filler on the Roof? I mean, it couldn't hurt. Okay. It couldn't hurt. Save some for later. Um, <laughs> All right. But we'll see. So uh, this story, is there's kind of two parts to it. One is about Merlin returning to the world after many years of battling. Uh, we don't really know too many of the details here, but uh, there is a um, there is a, a sort of a knight who is watching over the house of i guess this is the house of magic right or a house of magic i don't know i don't know um but watching over this place much like the uh the crusader in uh indiana jones and the last crusade the the the, the knight who was on the crusades who guards the holy grail kind of similar to that uh her name is sir uh elnara rashtu and so we see this story about uh Merlin coming back and essentially taking his place, taking her place at in this house of magic or whatever, and he kills her. And then we see Zatanna and Constantine, and they are on a mission because there is this spot that is like known for these two different uh, sort of uh, like encounters with the supernatural. And so they go there and they witness this this like this house is on fire and there are these people who seem to be out of their minds just rolling around and fighting and destroying each other and they see the return the resurrection i don't know exactly what the word is of jason blood um what do you guys think of this vince let's start with you um I, the story is kind of the same uh to me as 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 what we've recently said about justice league dark which is that like the, this same configuration of, of characters kind of, and this same general feel is certainly not bad. Like I think, I think Ram V puts in a, a really nice effort building the lore here uh, of, of the story that we're dealing with. And, and, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong with the scripting and the Zermanical art looks great, but I think this like Zach said in, in the last time we talked about this, this particular configuration is wearing on me a little. It's the Suicide um, Squad problem. It is, yeah. Yeah, and I that's not the book's fault. I guess that's my fault, but um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Well, before you say anything, Brian, I'll say this. The stuff with Merlin returning and, uh, you know, melting down Excalibur, all of that stuff, was the best stuff in the book because it didn't feel like anything else. And I thought right. that part was magnetic. I was I was drawn into that entirely. Sure. And then and then Jason Blood returns and I and I say to myself, well, I feel like Jason Blood slash Etrigan have has been returning for 
I feel <laughs> yes. like I've seen the same thing half a dozen times. Jason Blood is back. Yeah, he always comes back. I don't know. <laughs> it's, well, yeah. what wasn't. Wasn't like Jason Blood and Merlin like the thing that was from the future state? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Isn't like Jason Blood is like, like the the evil knight that works for Merlin in the fu- in future state? Yes, and so, that's why Etrigan is is uh, like tied to Detective Chimp. Chimp. Yeah. Gone, gone. The form of man. Rise the demon. Gene Parmesan. Have to say <laughs> that every right. time we talk about this character. Yeah, uh, it's very important. Um. Yeah, so my point with that, Vince, is that with with a couple of exceptions, this has been the Justice League Dark since 2011. That's 10 years of these characters, of it being based around Constantine and Zatanna at the core of it. You know, Detective Chimp is somewhat, is somewhat new to the group. Uh, Ragman hasn't always been a part of it. But, I mean, that's... That's a very long time to have the same characters in that role. Now, you could argue that the Justice League has had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman at the core of it for, you know, much longer than that. But the difference there is that you don't just get Superman stories in Justice League. You don't just get Batman stories. You pretty much only get Zatanna stories in Justice League Dark. You, you know, we, we've had a couple of, of Constantine ongoings, but they haven't stuck at all. It feels like because these characters have been the same, you're getting the same types of stories. And I think that all these characters on their own or in a Justice League Dark can can do really interesting things and have really interesting different stories. But the difference is when you have this combination of characters, it just they just seem to fall into a rhythm with each other. And I'm just tired of that rhythm. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a. I don't think you're wrong to be sick of that at all. I get it, and I think that there's. There's almost nothing that Rom V can do aside from create an entirely new team, that would fix that for me right now. Zach, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I, just on that point, I like. I'm fine with Zatanna and um, Constantine kind of being the core of the book. I think that really makes sense. Um, I just kind of like would like you said kind of like to see a few like interesting wrinkles thrown in Um, you know if we see like Ragman come play a part you know he was in future state I don't know it, it yeah I would just like a little bit different than what we've seen over the past 10 years Um, this though I think this really benefits by being shorter um, than than a like full 20 page comic I think it has like a nice little bit of bite to it. Um, there, there is like a bit of exposition, but because it's it, it's pretty compressed, um, it, it it doesn't feel as um, you know like some of the some of the parts of like Tinyan's Justice League Dark Run. You know, it doesn't it doesn't get into that like level of magical exposition. Um, the Zermanico art was good. Um, I, I generally think that this was like a pretty good opening chapter. I, I liked this. Um, and this is another thing I've been meaning to go back and read, you know, those um, Rom V written issues of Justice Lee Dark. And, because I remember they had that uh, very cool, like Vertigo-esque style to them. Um, and th- this kind of makes me want to go back and revisit that. 
Yeah, I can see that. Um, do we think it's smart to have Justice League Dark as the backup here, or should that title have its own book? I know you said, Zach, you enjoyed the brevity of the length, but in terms of like the line and what DC is trying to do with this line, is it smart to have just to only have one Justice League title right now? I I don't mind it. I kind of prefer it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people really think of it as a Justice League title anyway. Even though, even if it's got Justice League in the name, you know, I, I I don't believe that's generally how people view it. So I don't think I don't think it matters on that level interesting okay you know i don't know i i have differing thoughts about it i I don't think there needs to be five justice league titles but i do think that by calling it justice league dark you're probably attracting a larger audience than if you called it shadow pact even though it's basically a shadow pact book um but i also think you can't go as far into certain fun directions because of that justice league tether if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm mm-hmm so, I don't know. We'll see. I also I I don't want to sound like um like I know why they do it and and this ar- this argument has been made to death, but I just don't. I just like Constantine in Hellblazer and not in not in the main DCU. Every time he shows up, I I kind of I kind of groan because it just doesn't die. I can't, like I said, I can't blame DC for doing it with one of their properties. Like, I get it. And I'm not trying to be a bootlicker there. It's just, it is what it is. But, but I don't you're, you're, you're also the guy. Work. You're also the guy who's told me multiple times that so much of Hellblazer is shit and you shouldn't read it. <laughs> yeah, but when it's at its best, it's, it's, it's just something completely other than this. And this really does feel like a watered down version of the character. Like, I, like, uh, this feels like you know a couple turns the dial from like Deadpool or something, and not I'm not saying the way that the way that Ram V writes him or whatever, but just just the fact that uh, that Constantine is palling around with regular DC characters in the regular DCU it just feels like a it's just weird. It just doesn't doesn't really work it's watered down i understand that i think that the character doesn't have to necessarily disappear from mainline dc books but i mean, I, I guess this, this circles back to our original comment right this book would be a lot more interesting if it wasn't that character in that role maybe you just save him for the occasional swamp thing event or you know to show up here and there and to really feel special i think at least for me, it's less... I mean, there were years there when there was no Constantine in the DC Universe. Uh, only in the pages of Brightest Day, the search for Swamp Thing, did did uh, did he come back in 2011. And so, you know, it's... Um, there was probably 20-ish years there without that character in the DC Universe. And uh, I, I think it's 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 less about for me. I'm not speaking for you. To me, it's less about the character feeling out of place here, 
versus just it's a character that to me a pinch of Constantine every five years is far more effective than a monthly slot for him on a on a team calling itself Justice League something. Sure. Any other JLD comments? Mm-mm. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we return, we'll talk about the last book of the week, Nightwing. Stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth-1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster One. And I'm Elias, the Bendis One. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. And we are back. Their final issue of the week, Nightwing, number 78. Written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Bruno Redondo. This will surprise nobody. This was my favorite book of the week. I know Zach said Catwoman was his. Vincy, which of the which of the three books was your favorite this week? I I think Catwoman just squeaked by this one, but it was it was pretty close. And and we'll get to why. Um, but you go, you, Brian. You go off. You're the you're the you're the Dick Grayson boy. You should get first word on this. I am the dickhead. Yes. Um, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I no. I, can you explain it? I didn't get it. <laughs> okay. Well, you see, the gun is his dick. Um, that's a role models joke for anyone a fan of that. Sean William Scott vehicle. There we go. Um. All right. So, Dick Grayson is has been through a lot of shit lately in DC Comics. Uh, that's <laughs> there is continued dunking on everything Tom King has done across Infinite Frontier. And here, um, they continue to do that. They they're gonna shoot this cat, uh, this dog in the head. Rather, these these criminals are gonna shoot this dog in the head. And uh, Dick basically says he'll wind up driving cabs and forget who he is, and just you know a nice chef kiss there for dunking on Tom King and Dan Jurgens' Nightwing stuff. Um, but overall, this issue just does a great job of sort of reestablishing Dick in Bloodhaven. We get some really nice Dick Bab stuff. I typically do not like flashbacks to Gotham beef when the characters are young, when it's when it's supposed to be these formative moments like this. You know, we see the first time that Dick and Bar and Babs ever meet, and I feel like we've seen that scene so many times in comics before. But Tom Taylor has this ability to just hone in on what makes a character important. And what makes them different and then manages to highlight them so well. And so throughout this issue, like Dick and Babs just he nails their characterization. And so going back to that early meeting was was fine. It becomes sublime when you find out that Babs is there to deliver Alfred's will and, and a letter that Alfred wrote Dick um before he died, and Dick Grayson is inheriting billions from Alfred and the letter from Alfred to Dick is I know it's maudlin and it's overly sincere or whatever but 
I feel like it's a really good moment of Alfred writing and a really good moment of Dick writing. And I think that the best Dick Grayson stories are the ones that show how he's different from Batman. And even though he does some Batman-ish shit in this book, you know, in the way he's a costume vigilante, there is no question that he is such a different person than Bruce is. And Taylor really, really manages to put that on the page. In addition, Bruno Redondo has been doing such good work at DC lately, and this book looks beautiful. That sequence with the dog is so immaculately illustrated. He does a really nice job also showing Dick being overwhelmed by emotion when reading Alfred's letter without making it turn it. I feel like sometimes the only way that comic artists draw people crying is draw them like ugly cry sobbing or a single tear falling down their cheek. And Redondo does neither, and I, and I think show, ha, captures a pretty like, human moment from Dick. I just thought the whole thing was really well done. I kind of don't give a shit about Bloodhaven politics, and I feel like Nightwing books always bring that stuff up. But if I can get this good Redondo art and get good Dick and Bab stuff, I don't care about Bloodhaven politics. Um <laughs> That that is something like reading this book, like the Bloodhaven stuff and like Blockbuster. This feel like the the like Venn diagram of like this and like the Tim Seeley run is is just complete overlap. I'm like, did, I was reading this, I was like, didn't didn't we just do this in that run? Um, maybe we did. That that does kind of seem like the fallback thing for Dick though. But it's it is kind of like they're having to. Um, go back to basics a bit after the the Rick Grayson, Rick Grayson. <laughs> um, fiasco. Um, but yeah, I mm, I mm, I guess I Say was it. like maybe a little disappointed with this issue um, with its like pedigree of being the you know the next big thing from tom taylor and bruno redondo um just because like i thought the opening monologue was just very overwrought the whole like i don't like bullies thing like and and coupled with the flashback i I was kind of just rolling my eyes that the first like quarter to a third of the comic was taken up by that um and then I kind of felt like I was being baited a little bit by both like the hawkeye stuff and the bab stuff and like the Hawkeye stuff, I mean, specifically, like you have to bring in a dog in the first issue. And there were those David Aha panels of him um, using his little baton grappling hook. Um, and, and so I, I felt like that was just a little stylistically was on the nose. Um, the Bab stuff was great. I liked all of that. I liked the letter from Alfred. I, I don't think that that was even too like overwrought or anything. I think that we've not had enough good Alfred fallout or, or, you know, like follow up. And I, I thought that that was really, really good. I think it's a cool status quo, you know, shake up that, you know, Dick is probably richer than Bruce now. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, and I guess the other thing is like the reveal of who the new mayor is, which like I, oh, I, I almost I did kind of like roll my eyes at that a little bit, and and that like what her motive is. Um, but I don't know. It, it just 
it wasn't quite on par with, you know, just kind of how that Suicide Squad run just hit it out of the park immediately. Yeah, it felt more like a conventional Nightwing. I mean, it's really well done. I'm I'm not trying to say that um, anyone could have written this, but it feels like a Nightwing story that, that could have come from a previous writer like Tim Seeley. You know what I mean? I think there's some little touches here and there that are that are pretty Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo uh, flourishes, but in general, it felt like a very conventional Nightwing story, and I, I don't think th- I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I eighty percent really liked this issue, and I'll, I'll second everything you guys said about the letter to Alfred. I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was really well written, really touching. Um, the stuff between him and Babs, even the even the when they're when they're young, I, I liked that stuff. I liked the. Oh, that's, uh, that's a little weird, Vince. No. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> um, I enjoyed that scene, Zach. I don't know what where your head is at. <laughs> Off on some island somewhere, presumably, uh, <laughs> Little Saint James or something. But. Um, uh, no, I enjoyed that scene. Um, I even liked. I even liked the the Melinda Zuko twist. Um, that part was good. I don't. Blockbuster's kind of a stupid villain, and I felt like the thing that they did in this issue, and it felt very intentional, was like they were very, very much trying to tell us, no, Blockbuster's not a joke. Watch him squish this guy's head. <laughs> You know, like I felt like that was a scene that was totally designed to make sure that that we know that Blockbuster's not a lame <laughs> you know, and I don't I don't know if that works for me. And and you're right, Zach, it felt like we just did this. And um, I, I mean, I'm not misremembering. He was in that run, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. Totally. OK, yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's fair to the book because like. You know, villains get reused all the time in their in their proper context, and that's you know again a perfectly legitimate choice for this book. He was also probably in that book three to four years ago. Yeah, yeah, right, it was all, right. it was a long time ago for it sure, but it was also like... the last time I was reading Nightwing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just feels that way, and um, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I liked this a lot. Just I was surprised at the conventional sort of of uh, the conventional villain and 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 tone and feel. Uh, even if I thought a lot of the character bits were were really good, um, well, well, doesn't mean it was doesn't mean it wasn't a good comic. It's sure, just, it it didn't. Hmm. It's it's not the next. It's not the next Hawkeye, and I don't even like Hawkeye that much. But like, you know what I mean. Like, if if anyone wants to make that comparison in earnest, I I don't think that works. You know, it's not going for that. I mean, look, I understand the Hawkeye comparison because of the dog, but I also think that there's no reason why every comic that has a dog in it forever and ever has to be compared to Hawkeye, right? No, no, um, no. Well, I, I, I only made the comparison as well because, like, there were some, you know, like, the small aha-esque 
panels. Sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're wrong in this instance, but I, I don't think that, like, there shouldn't be a, um, like, an end to dogs and comics because it might remind somebody no, no, of, no. of, of, uh, of, of Hawkeye. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't even like totally fit with Hawkeye. Cause like Dick's not like a, he's not like a huge fuck up or anything, you know? Right. He's, right yeah. Yeah. And, and he wasn't going to keep the dog. Babs makes him keep the dog. Right. Um, or at least that's, that's the way it's presented. But what I'll say is this to, to, I don't think you guys are wrong by saying this isn't like, you know, this isn't a uh, the next like big thing from this from this team or even for this character. But my argument is that I think if you want to do anything big with Dick Grayson again, you need to rebuild the trust not just in the title itself, but also kind of in the character. You you have to show people that. That it, that Dick matters again, and I don't know how you do that coming directly out of the shitty run he just had, and mm-hmm. so I th- I think that there's a certain amount. Of, I mean, we were talking about uh, Superman number twenty nine uh, last week, week before whatever it was, and we were saying that it felt in a way like a comic written for folks who hadn't read um, John Kent stories before. And I feel like to a certain degree, this kind of feels like a Dick Grayson story for somebody who maybe hasn't read a Dick Grayson story in a long time and needs a refresher on sort of where that character is. And so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a second arc goes a lot further than this one does. But this is, you know, a necessary thing for now. I, I think that this is like a fantastic first issue. Um especially for like a new or lapsed reader. Um, it just feels maybe it feels a little samey if you're like very, or even like pretty reasonably familiar with like Dick's um, kind of more recent stories. Sure. Or even fair. some of his older ones, <laughs> but it's, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like a technically really great comic. It just didn't wow me. Sure. Yeah, I I think that's my feeling exactly. Like I'm not I'm not it's it's going to sound like I'm being negative, but it's only because like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a perfectly good comic. It's it's great. Like you're going to pick it up and you're going to have a good time, but like if I'm if I'm looking for if I'm trying to explain like the honest way I felt when reading it, it's not like suicide his suicide squad, their suicide squad um when they did it um and like that first issue blew me away because it was so unexpected in the way that things played out and, and some of the characters. And, and this is, this is, you know, this is a meat and potatoes nightwing book, which is not, again, not every book has to feel new and whatever, but all I'm saying is it, like Zach said, it didn't blow me away. It didn't knock my socks off. It was, it was just a really good Dick Grayson story. And you know what? That's pretty refreshing considering what we've recently been through with the character yeah um so that's great but um but yeah it just it is what it is sure uh so we now have had three weeks of infinite frontier does and it's a little bit hard to judge a week of three books against a week of even four or five books just because the difference feels so striking with just how short this week was but do you guys have a favorite week so far 
god, I can't even remember what was. Uh... <laughs> um, probably last week, the second week too. So I might say this week actually. Um, what, okay, what what came out last week? Because I know I really liked some of the books last week. It was Wonder uh, Woman. Uh huh. I did like Wonder Woman. Joker, which you that was the best oh, which book I'd ever love. for yeah. you. Best comic yeah. ever released, published yeah. by DC. I think I think Joker and Wonder Woman are better than Catwoman and Nightwing to me. <sighs> I don't I'm know. Gonna see it. Yeah, I'm, man. If 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 you keep uh, if if you keep Infinite Frontier Zero in the equation, then it's that first week still. Um, right, for me. right. But yeah, then it's the second week. If you, if you don't keep that in there, it's the second week, I guess. I I just feel like, I guess I feel like the three books this week, to me, maybe. All right, here's how I want to say this. I think all three books this week have me more excited for the next issues than, like, as much as I enjoyed Wonder Woman, I don't want six months of that book. I liked that issue for what it was. I mm-hmm. don't really want her in that Valhalla place six months down the road. I'm excited to follow the path of these three books that they appear to be going more than I'm excited to follow that path. Even if that one issue was better. Does that make any sense? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, I mean, ha- have we had a bad book in Infinite Frontier yet? I mean, not not by my count, I think. But I but I like that crime syndicate book more than some people seem to. <laughs> I mean, but that wasn't a bad book. That maybe was a boring book. Some people some people think it's bad. Boring. I don't. I, I, oh. I mean, oh, Superman yeah. was a boring book. Superman's the closest thing to a bad book. And yeah, and even that wasn't bad. It was just boring and. Uh, very slight. Well, I guess that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and even the Bibbo backup wasn't very good either. So no, that might that's like the bad book so far. Say Bibbo, say Bibbo backup uh, five times fast. Bibbo backup, Bibbo. Bibbo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to pad out the show. Let's all do this. Let's no. all go around saying the- Bibbo. I will say that the Bibbo backup is the dance craze sweeping the nation, though. <laughs> oh, my Everybody gosh. go Superman. Superman. <laughs> yeah. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> oh, well, folks, uh, thank you for listening. Vincey, what's up next week? God damn it. I even I even had it up and then I closed it out like a fool. <clears throat> um play for time, please. Okay. Um Zach, what is the first thing that you want to do when uh things open up a little bit? What's the first restaurant you want to go to down there in Memphis when when everything opens up again and you feel safe going there? Oh. I don't know. Um, 
I mean, there are a couple of restaurants. There's this really cool restaurant that's in the Midtown area called The Beauty Shop, and it's a... Um, it used to actually be a beauty shop and like the restaurant still has like all of the like hair old hair, hair no <laughs> no but they have the hair like the hair dryer you know the like overhead sure, things sure. um and the food is really really great um their uh drink selection is very good they also have like a wide uh, menu of um milkshakes like dozens of different flavors of milkshakes that are really good it's yeah it's a treat and they've actually had like um outdoor seating through the pandemic um and it's like but it's like boxed in during you know winter it's like kind of like individualized with a tarp and like a heating unit but even that's just like a step too far i think like there's been human bodies in this 30 minutes before i was in here so right um yeah i want to go there okay was that enough time to, for you to look up the uh, books for next week? I'm looking at the beauty shop menu right now. Oh um, my gosh! So no, I, just, I got it. I have it. Okay. It's Action Comics 1029, um, Batman Superman number 16, Detective Comics 1034, um, Future State Teen Titans Ruins number one. What the f is that? What? What is that? <laughs> the hell is that? I, That's not real. I don't know. Hang on a Harley, second. Keep Harley talking. Quinn number, Harley Quinn number one. Teen Titans Academy number one. I think that's it. All right. Hang on a second. This is a... Oh, I do remember this. This is a Red X thing. Is it like a collection of old stuff or something? Or I think I think this is a mistake. I think this is a mistake. I think it's just the first issue of. It might just be the first issue. That what's it? What's it called again? Ruins. Ruins. I think it's just a, a somebody mistakenly put this on the comic list thing. I think it's just supposed to be that first issue again. It's not. It's not even getting reprinted. It's just maybe they had it in oh, here yeah. by accident. Hang on. Yeah, it's... a lot of stuff lists Teen Titans Ruins number one as like the future state number one issue. No, yeah. so um, this is following the second <laughs> printings of issues one and two. It's collecting both in a forty-eight page cardstock. Oh, okay. So, it, but oh, it, but it has red X. On, but it has red X on the cover, and it, it says on the bottom of the of the trade dress, it says Red X's DC Comics debut issues collected for the first time, which is so funny because they came out less than a month ago, but they collected yeah. for the first time. They are collected I, for the first. They're not wrong. Yeah, they're not wrong. You're I right. actually, I actually might pick this up. That that I like really like that cover, and I liked those issues, and I didn't buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I found out my local shop, that is the only future state book I think that sold out. Wow. Really? Um, cause they like heavily overordered because they're returnable, but they sold out a future state teen Titans. Huh. Uh, if all goes well, before you've heard this episode, you've heard my chat with Tim Sheridan on this podcast feed from, uh, I'll be recording it later in the week. We're recording this, but it'll be coming out next week. So, Man, this is that a Dustin Wynn cover? 
I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty. Whatever it is. I think it is. It looks good. I'm. I'm gonna have to call my shop and ask them to put one of those back for me. Oh, the physical comics buyer. Yes. I know. He's logged on. I've logged on. But yeah, uh, that sounds like a fun week. I, uh, I, I'm interested. I'm uh, the book I'm most interested about. We all know is Teen Titans Academy. But besides that, I'm interested to see what Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora do on a bat book that isn't future state. I'm hoping it's better than yeah. future state. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I mean, I'm really interested to see what the Harley Quinn book is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next Brian's, week. Yeah. Brian choked out. A, yeah. Yeah. No, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it, how it turns out. I want that book to be good. I want all this to be good. There mm-hmm. would be nothing cooler than if DC was putting out all good comics. That would be the yeah, best. That's right. It's not going to happen, but, you know, no. it's all right. Uh, so thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate it. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I am at Walker Fox. If you need Vince, you can find him on Farmers Only. He has changed his display name, though, recently from Vince Ostrowski to Steve Polychronopoulos. <laughs> that is an Adam Sandler joke and a callback to a text exchange we had earlier today. <laughs> So, thank you for listening, everybody. I'll piss on the toilet seat. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Take care. Bow, <laughs> <laughs>